Hey guys, welcome back to Lords of Order, a DC Dr. Fate fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. This is a spoiler podcast, so be aware. More Fun Comics, issue 78, cover dated April 1942, is my topic of thought this episode. Episode 62 of the show, by the way. If you want to send feedback to me, there's a variety of ways. The email address, the Dr. Fate Fan Podcast at gmail.com. The website, bigtimenoise.com slash Dr. Fate. Social media, Google Plus and Facebook, the Lords of Order page, and on Twitter, Teal Productions, at Teal Productions, rather. Our story is scripted by Gardner Fox, penciled, inked, and lettered by Howard Sherman. As I said, April 1942 is when this one is cover dated, and the story is entitled The Wax Museum Killers. Now, this has been reprinted in Golden Age Dr. Fate Archives from 2007 by DC Comics. And in this one, our narrator opens telling us, History's blackest villains live again when time's outlaws leap from out of the past into the world of today. Once again, a swashbuckling pirate swings his cutlass of steel. A masked bandit battles with twin six-shooters. A giant of yore wields his mighty club. And a renegade emperor strums his lyra as he witnesses pillage and plunder. L-Y-R-E. Lyra or liar? Liar. Liar? Okay. Magic and Mystery Solve the Riddle of the Wax Museum Killers. Title of the story. We open one uh, early morning as the caretaker of a wax museum, Carter Waxworks Museum, to be specific, is cleaning up before opening for that day. He remarks, wow, it's really spooky how lifelike these wax figures look. And as he enters another hallway, a six-gun... Uh, a hand hefting a six-gun smacks him on the back of the head and knocks him out. Later that day, outside the same wax museum, a barker is barking to get people interested in the wax museum, gathers up a group, takes them on a tour. We see wax figures of Napoleon, Caesar, and Pharaoh in the first room. The next room contains Nathan Hale, Paul Revere, and William Tell. The third room, and unfortunately for this tour, the final room, as it turns out, contains Jesse James, Captain Kid Nero, and Goliath. And suddenly those four come alive, start attacking the people, run out of the museum. Next we see Billy the Kid knock over a bank. Uh, the... Billy, what, did I say Billy the Kid? Uh, I'm sorry. Jesse James is the outlaw. Knocks over a bank. Captain Kid knocks over a jewelry store. Goliath shakes down some people for the money they're carrying. And Nero, who turns out to be the head dude, talks about all the loot that his three-member gang is gathering. We then see that actually these four are just wearing masks and accoutrements simulating these people. They're regular human beings. That's just the gimmick that they have come up with to rob people. Uh, The leader is still the guy that that plays Nero. 
Um, his three men, though, apparently are named Trigger, Lefty, and the Duke. <laughs> the names. He gives them some mad money. You know, go out and have yourself a good time here. Good, good job. And they head out. The next evening, we see that Kent and Inza Karmer, this issue, Inza Karmer, are attending a grand ball, and it's a uh, masquerade ball. So she is danced as a majesty of some some sort of queen, and he is dressed like a French dandy, perhaps, or an English dandy would have dressed with the big cavalier hat and the big uh the big hats with the plumes like uh the musketeers wore whatever time period that was but he's got the big frilly uh white shirt on under his blue jacket Enza notices the three guys that look like uh you know they they came to this party like the wax museum killers which would be Captain Kidd, Goliath, and Jesse James. And Kent is, his interest is kind of piqued. He's like, hey, you're, you're right. They do look eerily like those characters. And so he slinks off to the side, and sure enough, they drop their calm exterior, uh, the three bad guys, and attack. Uh, Goliath with a club, Captain Kidd with a sword, and Jesse James with two six shooters. Kent is off, changes into Dr. Fate, runs out. Starts uh, fighting everyone, takes out Goliath. Billy the Kid, excuse me, Jesse James finds out that he's bulletproof. He takes a trident from someone that has come to the masquerade as a devil, the devil, however you want to look at it, and chases Jesse James, yelling, Go West, young man. And then the Billy the Kid says, maybe bullets won't stop him, but I'll see how he likes cold steel. Dr. Fate knocks him with a with a fist and says, I love my life, but oh, you kid. Uh, uh, Jesse James gets a lasso from somewhere and lassos Fate around the throat, around the neck. And then the three of them gang up and string Dr. Fate up on a light. They hang him. (laughs) And as he's hanging there struggling, uh, they're making jokes about it. Inza sees what's going on, grabs a sword from a person dressed up as a bullfighter, flings the sword and cuts the rope, cutting Dr. Fate loose. Uh, The three bad guys are are pulling, you know, on the rope. So they go flying when the rope is cut. And one says, hold that line. And the other says, sorry, the line's busy. (laughs) Shoo. Uh, So Dr. Fate is recovering. And while he's getting his wits about him, the Wax Museum killers realize, they, they notice that it was Enza that freed him. So they grab her and take off. They go back to their uh, secret lair, Nero's interest is piqued when they say, fill him in, you know, tell him the story they were doing this. Dr. Fate shows up. This uh, frail help freed him. Nero says, well, you, you did a good job bringing him here because they 
probably are sweet on each other. And if she's here, he will be coming here as well. And when he comes here, I'll have a trap ready for him. Now, Dr. Fate, apparently, from wherever they were, wherever this ball was, had time to go back to his tower in Salem because the narrator tells us that the all-seeing eye of Dr. Fate's great globe of pure crystal reveals Inza's plight. He doesn't carry that thing with him, and he doesn't have any pocket dimensions that he can reach into because he carries equipment or anything like that. So the only way he could have gotten the crystal is at his home base in the tower. So he must have gone back there to try to locate Inza. He had no idea where she went or anything. He finds her and takes off. Now, I have a new theory on his stance while he's flying. I've said recently that he runs through the air and that his feet are drawn running. Um, Now, I think, perhaps, and this is even goofier if this is true, that that may not be occurring. What may be occurring is Dr. Fate is striking a pose as if in mid-run, and that's the stance he holds while he flies. Now, that makes even less sense, really, you know. But looking at the way it's drawn, there is motion of his feet in only one direction, I've noticed. Not in both, as if he's swinging his feet back and forth. So... Uh, Now I don't know. I don't know if Sherman is implying that he is scissoring his feet or he is not. From the way it's drawn, I can't tell. It would make more sense, even though that doesn't make any sense, if he's scissoring his feet. Because if he just strikes a pose as if in mid-run and flies in in that pose, that would be very goofy. But I, I don't know. I wouldn't put it past them as that's how they envision it. Uh, So either way, Dr. Fate flies to the building that Enza's in, and he knows because he says, my ring glowing. This must be the place. I've never seen him use a glowing ring like that before. I have no idea what that ring is, but he used it here. Maybe it's something new. I don't know. We'll have to see, you know, later on if he has some sort of device that he wears as a ring that he uses for things crashes through the window as soon as he does a giant glass bell jar drops over him the bell jar is attached via a hose to a compressor and immediately the compressor activates and starts sucking the air out of the bell job bell job bell jar no pun intended there the bell jar so nero knows from the story that the Wax Museum killers told him about lynching Dr. Fate that he has to breathe like any other human being, and so he's going to suffocate him. So they leave him penned up in the giant bell jar, suffocating to death. They leave Inza to watch, and they go to their next caper. Well, we also find out here that Dr. Fate apparently now has pockets in his outfit, the Dr. Fate outfit because he reaches into the pocket and pulls out change and keys throws them down the tube of course they get sucked into the compressor cause the compressor to blow up freeing dr fate inza apologizes for her part in his current plight but he says no no it's not your fault 
flies to the commissioner's office. Dr. Fate does. Tells the commissioner, my magic crystal warns me that the Wax Museum killers are going to strike at the Van Rickwater yacht tonight. Listen. And he gives him a plan. So sure enough, at the yacht, we see that the Wax Museum killers are approaching. They board the ship, hold everyone at bay with their threats and their weapons and everything like that. Captain Kidd tells them, off with your jewels or you'll walk the plank. On the other side of the boat comes up a second small boat, a second dinghy, if you will. Dr. Fate is on this with three other men. He says, Lafayette, we are here. And they jump aboard the ship, and Dr. Kidd says, Dr. Fate! Fate responds, and company, meet King Arthur, Lafayette, and Buffalo Bill. (laughs) In order to do these guys, I have no idea why he had to do this. But he did. So now we have banter between eight people. Okay, the four bad guys, Nero, Captain Kidd, Jesse James, and um, Goliath. And on the good guy's side, Dr. Fate, King Arthur in full armor with shield and lance. It's a lance. Hello. Lafayette, the, what is that, a French general, I believe, during the Revolutionary War, maybe. And Buffalo Bill. Cody, mid to late 1800s, early 1900s, Western sharpshooting, traveling hero, um, who actually did make his name by killing Buffalo uh, in the early years of railroad uh, movement across the country. So, King Arthur hits Nero saying, I knight the good knight, base villain. Buffalo Bill exclaims, this is as easy as roping a runaway colt when he puts a noose around the neck of Jesse James. Dr. Fate knocks out Goliath. Don't you know that history always repeats itself and that Goliath lost the last time? Inza and another female, um, I don't recognize from this story, I don't know her, they didn't name her or anything, are discussing what's going on. What I'd give to own a camera this minute. What I'd give to wake up. I know I'm dreaming. And then finally, the heroes vanquish the villains with the statements. Lafayette says, "'Tis a pleasure to indulge in fisticuffs." Buffalo Bill exclaims, "'Home on the range!' King Arthur, I must complete this joust, foul knaves. And the bad guys are defeated. Dr. Fate thanks the commissioner, who turned out to have been in the King Arthur armor, and for lending him his men. Commissioner says, this is the best raid I ever took part in. Lafayette says, I feel the same way. Buffalo Bill finally says, me too. Later on that week, Kent and Enza are back at the Wax Museum, taking another tour. And now there is a Hall of Heroes, wherein our wax figures of... Dr. Fate, Lafayette, Buffalo Bill, and King Arthur. And Inza says, I wonder why they added Dr. Fate to the group of heroes. And Fate says, I wouldn't know, Inza. Which is funny, because she was there. She, she was... 
Unless, no, I'm sorry, these two females, neither one of these was Inza. He didn't bring Inza on this. I'm sorry. These were just two females at the party. So apparently after this particular mission, he didn't fill Inza in on what happened. Whereas in the last issue, he alluded to the fact that he had. And so there we end that Golden Age Dr. Fate adventure. Next time out, guys, I will talk about Dr. Fate, the 2015, the current volume, issue 8. Catch you there. Lords of Order is a teal production, and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, non-derivative, 3.0, unported license.